Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. John Schuchman here joins me here today as we talk all things real estate investing. And what's great is John also has a podcast and some material, a lot of material actually on his website. So head over to therealestatesurvivalguide.com. And I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes, but really appreciate your time here, John. Absolutely, Jack. I love doing interviews like this. So I just want to say, first of all, thank you for having me and thank you for what you're doing to help people out there to help investors grow and learn. I think it's really cool. I'm like, I'm also a podcaster. And so I know that this can often be a thankless job. And so I just want to say thank you for what you're doing to help people. I know it's helpful. Uh, before when I got booked on the show, I've been checking out your show. Your interviews are incredible and in how you help people. Just thank you for what you're doing to help people. And thanks so much for having me on. No, I appreciate the kind words. You're right. The amount of time you spend doing this is shocking if people really realize. Yep. So I'm curious, though. I don't like to spend a ton of time on your background and everything because, John, I'm sure you've shared this story a billion times, including on your own podcast. But could you give us the elevator pitch or kind of a summary of yeah. how you found your way to real estate investing and what you're doing today? Yeah, absolutely. So I think my story is a little different than most investors out there because while kind of, so my background is basically in W-2 jobs from the time I was 16 to the time I was about 32 or 33. So a couple of years ago, I probably had more W-2 jobs than anyone out there in the world. I'm not kidding. I've done it all. If it involved sales, I, I did it. And really my kind of 30 seconds is I could never keep a job. I either was never happy or satisfied there was always taking another opportunity, would lose a job or something like that. So now I wasn't sleeping with people or stealing from the cash register. I just, I'm a dreamer, I'm a visionary. And so my biggest thing has honestly been like trying to find my fit. So I lost my last W2 job, February 26, 2019. I'll always remember the day and had a lot of people doubt me and question me and think you don't have any value. And I found an amazing Albert Einstein quote, actually after, I wish I would have found it before. And there's a, a great quote by Albert Einstein that says, everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it'll grow up its whole life feeling like it's stupid. And when I lost all those W-2 jobs, that's really how I felt. I felt like I was too stupid. I remember imagining having a daughter and them wanting to marry this guy that couldn't keep a job, how you would feel. And definitely my wife's family had a lot of questions, which I can definitely understand. I would too. I have a daughter now. But really, it was about finding my niche. And, and so why my story is a little different is I've basically been in a bunch of W-2s, became a realtor in 2019. We basically were trying to survive, right? I didn't sell my first house till early 2020. I actually had, so in, in June of 2020, I had $220,000 in debt between car loans, student loans, credit cards and our house. Since that time, we spent two years following Dave Ramsey's plan. And I know it's very polarizing in the investing space. And we paid off all our debt. And then in June 2022, this summer, we even paid off our house. So that was really a hard thing for us. We felt like it was the right thing to do. So my story is a little different because I officially haven't invested yet because I was so busy paying off my debt. But I think what I want your audience to hear, Jack, is no matter where you are, if you feel like you cannot make it survive, when I lost that job, I went into 
some mental and emotional battles, de depression, anxiety, thoughts of suicide. And so what I really want people to hear, and I know a lot of the people that listen to are investing and having success, and that's great. But if you feel at a place where you're stressed, drained, you just need to keep going. I think that's the biggest thing. So now, right, of course, well, should we have paid off the house? And there's so many questions there. But as we're now thinking about investing, and so that's how I'm getting into investing is just a little different than everybody else because we paid off our house first and felt like we're happy to now get a mortgage on an investment property, but we wanted our primary residence. That was just a risk we were not willing to take. And I get frustrated at two and a half interest rate. We should have let it and invested the cash. But anyway, that's what we did. Yeah, that's my journey. Now I help realtors survive in the business. I created a platform through the Real Estate Survival Guide that I wish I had three years ago when I became a realtor or even two years ago when I made my first sale. But now as I think about investing, it's very interesting, Jack, because sometimes I'm like, I just want to jump on a property, right? And so I think I'm learning like, okay, there's a, just because you see a listing and especially stuff on the MLS, it's hard to get a good deal on now, doesn't mean jump. And so I think the biggest thing I'm learning as I think about investing is like patience, right? Because we've wanted to buy rental properties probably for about two to three months. And we've looked at some and just cash flow didn't work. The numbers didn't work. It didn't make sense. It needed too many repairs. I know a lot of people are just like, buy as much as you can. I'm trying to, I'm taking the slow approach. I want to get one and then two and then three. And then I really, my main income right now is still my clients in real estate. That's what's created the success, but I'm looking to transition that a little bit to do a little more rentals, maybe an Airbnb and those kinds of things, but it's been a crazy journey for sure. Yeah, I can't fault you for any of what you've said. The Dave Ramsey thing, the whole snowball paying off your debts situation, it does work. Dave Ramsey isn't all bad. It's yeah. like we're, we're very, Dave Ramsey is polarizing for most people, but yeah, I'm in the same camp as you in the fact that, you know, yeah. it, there can be good and bad. It's not mm -hmm. all good and not all bad on every situation. We're seeing the world degrade as far as I'm concerned, just based on on that binary switch. Yeah. And I think that's a great point too, Jack, right? Like you cannot like, like I probably right now probably don't agree with paying off your house, especially if you have a great rate. I don't necessarily agree that my clients right in real estate, when I talk to them, I they'll say, you follow Dave Ramsey. Do you think I should get a 15 year mortgage? Those kinds of things. And I'm honest. And I'm like, no, I, I don't think you should. Now, if you have the ability I would make two payments a month as you get paid bi-weekly, make a mortgage payment that, you know, once, and then you'll end up with what? 26 payments at the, if you do bi-weekly, you get 26 payments. So it's like you paid 13 months, even if you split the mortgage payment in half. And so I just think that small ways where I don't have to agree with every single thing he says, we're actually going in November to do our debt-free scream, right? I might not say, I don't agree about paying off your house, but I think, and really, man, my journey is I always had the latest and greatest of this, right? The money didn't mm -hmm. matter. I would put it on a credit card. And so... Now I'm like, how much money, John, did you waste on sodas, eating out, phones? And I needed day. Basically, when we got married, I was 28, year, 26, 20, 28 years old, had a ton of debt and no money to my name after working for 12 years. So I, I think depending on your personality, you might need someone like Dave. I needed Dave to say, no, your budget for spending is like 100 bucks a month. And if you want to go buy Chick-fil-A on day one, two, three, and four of the month, your $100 is going to be gone. I think it's just balance. I think me and my wife had argued for years about being on the same page with budget, with money. 
And it wasn't until I learned Dave doesn't want you to sit at your house and never eat out or never spend money. He just wants you to plan for it. And I think, think about real estate investing, right? You got to make a plan. If you're just like, I'm going to buy this and this, you might realize they're not cash flowing as much as you thought. You might realize that property is an hour away from my house. That probably wasn't a great investment, even if it's cash flowing, because if I don't have a repair person in that area, I got to go handle it. So I think there's a lot of things to question and think about. And I think the biggest thing is just like processing decisions before just jumping. I'm very much an emotional decision maker, which is why I just bought stuff on credit cards. So yeah, I hope that helps your audience a little bit. No, that's exactly what I've been preaching for a long time. The fact that you sat down and made a plan regarding your rental properties and what you're looking for, that is a huge step that a lot of people, frankly, just don't take to I've said it time and time again, and my audience is probably tired of hearing me say it, but it's a dream until you put it on a piece of paper, then it becomes a target. You yeah. got to plan it and you got to stick to it. And a little patience goes a long way. I know everybody wants to buy everything and every anything and everything, but a little patience, that dream property, it could be right around the corner. That big win could be right around the corner and yeah. you're going to tie up your capital. Yep on something just because it happens to be in front of you at that moment. I yeah. mean, that we, you got to treat it like a business. And I think that's a great point, Jack. I think every time you say yes to something, you say no to something else. So I'll share an example. Now, again, most of my business right now has been with residential clients. I took a listing in June and basically that listing was for a mobile home, which I normally don't deal with. I knew it was going to be too much. The commission was like a thousand dollars and I now, I was helping them buy a property, but I should have said, I can help you buy. I'll recommend someone else to help you list the mobile home. I wasn't an expert at it. Two days after agreeing to list their mobile home, I got a listing for a $1.3 million property. Okay. That was a $30,000 commission check. I spent more effort and energy on the property that I made $1,000 on than the $30,000 property. But guess what? I was stressed to hear I was stressed to the max because I said yes to something that wasn't the best fit for me. As you think about properties, right? And I'm sure you've talked about this on the show, but imagine the people that were like, oh, I'm just going to buy COVID hit, right? And then they had people that hadn't been there long that weren't paying their rent. They had to scramble. Okay, we got to pull money out of this property, pull capital here to pay the rent, the mortgage. And I had a friend once that joked with his wife, he operates a Chick-fil-A and he's like, what's the worst that happens? And they bought in 2020. And I'm like, you did this. The worst that happens is a global pandemic, like messes up everything in everyone's business. But I think thinking about what is the worst case scenario? What is the best case scenario? Maybe I have a tenant that pays and they pay $1,200 a month and my rent's 700 a month. That's a huge win. But what's the worst case? The worst case is they lose their job during COVID. And the state, right, the government says you don't have to pay your rent. And hey, landlord, John, you can't kick them out. I'm married to someone who's like a realist and I'm a visionary. I'm up here in the clouds and she's like holding me back, right? And so I think, it, especially if you're doing this with your spouse out there, balance each other. Balance is so key and so big in this business as you think about investing. Maybe the property looks great and maybe they would sold it and said, oh yeah, we just replaced the roof. And then you get in there and find out the roof is shot three years in. And you got to spend 6,000, 7,000 bucks to replace it. Man, I just think processing, putting, I love what you said about dream target and having patience. Put it down on paper and kind of process it. Think, maybe write it down and think, and if you're like, this is such a good deal, let's look at it the next day and see if it's still the same day, same deal after we sleep on it. Well, earlier, you gave us a quote regarding Einstein feeling, feeling out of place. You even used the word stupid. 
yeah. in your current, what type of strategies or tactics did you use then to realize that real estate and in real estate investing and being a realtor was that final niche that you finally found that path? Yeah. Jack, I love this question and thank you for asking it. I think I was always good at sales and relationships, right? Always. So my first job, I sold tools at on commission at 16 years old and I was the best salesperson, got the most credit cards. Now I don't say that to be cocky. I just, that was the fact. Always in sales and relationships. But what I learned is the struggle for an entrepreneur, a dreamer, a visionary is you don't want to do the same darn thing every day. You know, this board back here that looks like a mess, half of it is some of it's like clients, some of it's podcast stuff. And I get to come up to this board and I have another one over here and it's like dreaming and visioning. I can close the door. My kids are downstairs and I get just to dream, right? What's our one-year goal, our five-year goal? Our, in a W-2 job, you don't get the opportunity to do that. For instance, when I worked at Chick-fil-A and Chick-fil-A is a great company, still love them. But when I worked at Chick-fil-A at, at 1230 in the afternoon, wasn't the time to dream. It was get the darn food out the window while we try to get 150 cars through here in an hour. And that's not an exaggeration. We were like in those numbers. So that's 20, 25 seconds a car. That's how quick you're going. So I think there's plenty of time to dream at Chick-fil-A at 10 a.m. when there's no nobody or 4 p.m. But I didn't have the mental capacity. I also all my life have struggled with ADD, ADHD, and never really got it diagnosed till I got into real estate. And think about when you're like this and you can't focus, that makes it hard in a job. I knew people that knew me. And so I think having trusted people in your life, my person who now leads our team and I lead it with him, his name's Andy. I said, when I lost my job, I call, I'd send him a text. Hey, want to hear how real estate's going, how you're doing? And he he texted me, yeah, how's stuff at the bank? And I'm like, oh, that's what I want, want to chat about. So when we got on the phone, I just said, hey, man, would I be, I explained I lost my job unexpectedly. I didn't do anything. I had never been written up. So I knew they were going to have to pay me six months of unemployment. But I said, would I be good at real estate? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, be honest. Do you th he's like, You'll need, you're not going to make any money for a year, but you would be really good. And you've got the relationship skills, the gifts to really, he's, I know that you serve people, right? And you've done that in banking. And I think you'd be really good. So now, man, it's so funny. Now, again, I'm coming from the helping residential a little bit side, but like a hundred percent of my clients have left me a review. And as I think about that, it's, I'm, I've always been good at relationships. So I like, from the time we sit down, to the time we get to settlement, I'm there and I'm all about relationships. And I think they see that and are like, I want to help your business grow. It's funny too, because now as I've started to think about investing in the area, I have people that have approached me about investing. And so even like them seeing my journey and then me being able to guide them, even though I don't own an investment property right at this moment, they can see like John's studying these things, John's studying the trends, John's studying the market, John can tell me, Oh, this, hey guys, this property looks great, but I want to tell you about all the expenses and issues they've had over the past two years. You talk to the realtor. And so I think all, everything we do as investors in residential real estate, property management, end of it, it's all about relationships, right? I know many people who listen to your show right now are like, I've got to raise the rent. And I'm not, yeah, I know many investors who they own a few properties. They don't own 700 properties. They're not slumlords. They're trying to fund a little bit into their retirement. And so I think the biggest thing is like create relationships with people. As I think about being a landlord, I think about create relationships with people that rent from me, right? Telling them that I care, like being open and honest with them. And if I have to raise the rent, like explaining, hey, this is how my costs have gone up right now. You're not going to give them 
your entire paperwork of like the numbers at the end of the day. But I just think people, if they know and trust you and you raise the rent 50 bucks or a hundred bucks, because you know, the rates have shifted, it's harder to get hard money, things like that. They're not going to be like you jerk. I think it's all about create relationships with people, whether it's the janitor <laughs> or a business partner, you create relationships with people and people want to do business with you and they trust you. Yeah. You mentioned earlier that you ping-ponged around on a lot of W-2 jobs by choice or not by the sounds of it. With that experience, your wife is probably skeptical of anything that you might come up with next. Yeah. What did you do? What was that discussion like, conversation like with your wife and to get her on board? And yeah. so that's the big, that's the most important partnership, right? Oh, a thousand. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta have everybody on board on that, in that front. I love this question. My wife is like a saint, man. And when I was battling things mentally, she was there for me, checking in with me. She, when I lost my job, February 26, 2019, she still worked that bank. So imagine the emotions going in there every day when you know that they did your husband dirty. But she's been a huge support, always believed in me and encouraged me when I have long days, right? I'm like, hey, it's going to be a long day. She's I got this. She'll even there's there's long days in what I do. And she'll come to me at eight, nine o'clock and be like, can I do anything for you? And I'm like, you kept two kids alive today. And like you got them in bed, like you're good. Go relax. So she's been so supportive. I think the coolest thing, Jack, is for a while, even as we think about investing, she was like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to the Dave Ramsey thing. And it's been really cool to just process with her and have conversations. And now I'm like, all right, I'm busy. She'll be sending me investment properties. She'll say, let's go see this. Let's go take a look at this. And I want to equate this to our debt-free journey because when we started Dave Ramsey, I remember saying, what do we do for spending money every month? And she was like, oh, I think like $50. And I'm like, a week? A debt? Like, I would have been like $250. So she realized, hey, to get him on a budget, it might be a lot more spending money or eating out money than we really should spend, but I can't restrict him. I often think about this if you're a parent and you're watching the video. Think about going like this, right? You're Imagine you got one of your kids right here and you're like squeezing. Eventually, this isn't a good example because it's AirPods, but you got, they slip through the cracks. So if she was so constricting on the budget, I would be like, I'm just going to go spend money and not tell you. And then you breed, you don't breed trust, you breed dishonesty. So I think saying, I can't do $50 a month. That's the one time going to the movie and out to eat. I love going to the movies. So she understood that. And so now as we think about investing and as we shift, now it's like, let's talk about this property. Let's have a conversation. What do you like about it? What you what don't you? We probably look at a few every week and we might not jump for another month and a half, two months. But when we do, we'll know that we've processed and prayed about it together and separately and made a decision together. And then if we buy those properties, I could buy for 60,000, 50,000. And then we know if we jump into something and guess what, it was a bad investment. At least it's like we did it together and we believed in it together. It wasn't like I forced her hand. And so for those investors out there that are married, like some of you are doing so great. And I've heard the amazing stories that like, you're just buying things and you'll come home and tell your wife, hey, I bought seven properties today. And she's cool. I know investors like that. For others of you, I think you have to decide, does your wife want? to give input or does she at least want to feel like she's part of the conversation? In my business, I'll often, I remember once, even last week, I said, I think I'm going to have this person do this in my business. What do you think? And then I called that person and she's like, wait a second, we didn't even talk about it. And I'm like, do you care? And she's like, no, but it's nice to be consulted, right? She doesn't 
care who I hire for what because she trusts me and how I run my business. But it's nice to have your opinion feel valued. I think in any partnership, marriage, right, a business partner, the other person wants to feel like they matter and their opinion is valued. Even if my wife doesn't care what investment properties I buy, even just saying, hey, honey, I'm, I'm looking at this. I might buy it. It's $150,000. i am just letting you know. Hey, thank you so much for including me in that. I think in our marriages, it's just like business. People want to feel valued. And so that's, she's been a, again, she's a saint and I'm so thankful for her. And she's been a huge supporter in everything we're doing and building. One of the other things that you mentioned earlier that really stands out is that you said that 100% of your customers have left positive reviews for you. How did you pull that off? It's That's harder than it sounds. Yeah. And did you, do you come out and specifically ask them to do that or do they yeah. voluntarily do this? What's your Why do you hit such a good batting average there? Yeah. And what I will say, great, another great question. What I will say is I then... Don't just get the reviews. I've talked to my podcast a few times about do the things that got you there. Like I just went through and looked at my reviews and I haven't posted one on social media since last June. And I'm like, crap, you missed the mark. You need to share these, right? Because I can talk about being a great realtor or whatever till I'm blue in the face. No one cares. When I share, hey, Jack said that John's a great realtor here. Thanks so much, Jack. And I tag you. People are like, they believe that a little more. But I think, and you can hear from how I communicate, I love having a good time. I love humor. And so when I'm with a client, I remember one, well, first I make it as easy as possible. Okay. So I basically tell them, Hey, can you write something before settlement day? Excuse me. I'm not going to bother. I'm not going to say timing is everything for one. So you don't want to get to settlement. And then six months later, be like, can you leave me a review? And they're like, who are you? They don't remember when we get the clear to close. I'll be like, hey, so we're recording this on a Friday. So we say, hey, you know, congratulations. We got the clear to close at about noon today. I'm excited to see you guys Monday at settlement. Can you do me a favor? Can you write this review? I give them a template and I'll, I won't read it, but the basics is here's all the information where you can leave me reviews. And then I ask them for reviews for places. And you might be like, oh my goodness. But I ask on Google, realtor.com, Zillow, and Facebook, not necessarily in that order, but Google's always number one. And, and what I've learned is when I make it easy for them, they do it. So I'll send them this. And then I explain, hey, some people look for a realtor on Facebook, Zillow, realtor.com, Google. This is why I'm sending you all these links. You Please just copy paste. And they do it. I've had clients, Jack, who do not own a computer. And I'm like, all right, at the settlement table, I will create a Google account for you. You can type in the review. You can sign out. You can be done with the Google account. I had one who was like, I don't use a computer. And she emailed it to me and I helped her post it on Google at settlement. So make it easy for people for one. And for two is, so I joke about it, Jack, the whole time. So I had a client once and they, a friend from church made a connection <laughs> and they're like, he's, it was probably about two o'clock on a Sunday. And they're like, Hey, we'd love to connect with you. I called them. We talked from two fifteen to probably about three thirty. They're like, we look forward to meeting you. We'd love to connect with you. And also there's this house that we'd like to see and offers are due at 7 p.m. tonight. Can we go see it? And I'm like, yep, let me throw pants on. And I jumped in my car at that house. We went through, they didn't make an offer, but they said, thank you so much for coming out here last minute. We really appreciate it. We're excited to work with you. And I said, awesome. Make sure you leave that in the five-star review. Same client. A few weeks later, I missed their call. Actually, yeah, about a month later, they were under contract. We were about a week before settlement and I missed a call. 
And I said, I'm so sorry I missed your call. I'm like, and they laughed. They're like, yeah, you're the worst. And I'm like, make sure you leave that in the one-star review. So I joke about it the whole time, so much so that this client and his wife, now they're busy. They got five kids. The week of settlement, I said, hey guys, can you do me a favor quick? And he goes, no, John, I'm not leaving you your stupid one-star review right now. We're busy. And he was like, just joking around. But even bringing it up as a joke, oh, a one-star review is how I how John grows his business. Not one, I'm sorry. A, a, a review, a five-star review is how John grows his business. So I think, and again, if you get them when they're like so thrilled right before the settlement table or right out or right after, they're much more likely to leave you a, re a review. And I even think about that too with investors, Jack, like who are the people, you know, here's a way that you can grow your investing business. And I love Google. I could talk about Google probably all day in social media. Who are the contractors that you use? Go on there, John Shookman Realtor, my Google page, and I'm going to leave a review for this plumber, this inspector, this whatever, to help them grow their business, right? And again, Google is so cool. It's free. You can leave reviews. It helps, you know, people recognize you, people know you. So even I leave reviews at restaurants. Now I know this is going on a little bit of a sidebar, but I leave reviews at restaurants I go to, at businesses I go to, because it says John Shookman Realtor left a review and it helps my name get out there. People are seeing my page. I probably have a few thousand Google views on my page every month because of it. So I know I went on a little bit of a tangent, but that's the way I get reviews is joke about it, have a good time, make it as easy as possible. And then I'm also leaving reviews. So if I work with someone, a plumber, and I'm like, hey, yeah, if you enjoyed working with me, can you leave me a review? I left them a review three weeks ago. So they feel that they're like, oh my goodness, yeah, you helped my business so much when you wrote that review and posted on Facebook. I'd love to help you. So I hope that helps. Yeah, there's a level of reciprocity there. People feel obligated and they want to help you out as well. You've it's amazing how you've provided a little focus around getting these reviews. And I know you have some strategies around advertising and keeping things as little as minimally cost as possible. Is yeah. this your primary source of advertising then? Is it this type of focus? Yeah, great question. So basically, I have built a six-figure real estate business and I don't advertise at all. I don't pay Zillow. I don't pay anybody. It is all free organic social media. And what I can tell you, now again, this is going to be a little different for investors, but when I got into real estate, everything you do, Google, Facebook, everything is about connecting with people right? So there's people out there, there's those of you out there that are investors, that no one on Facebook knows you're an investor. But maybe imagine that someone down the street knows you, a neighbor, and maybe they're like, I could sell my property on the MLS for 200,000, or I could sell it to Jack for 170. I'm going to make a little, or 150. I'm going to make a little less money, but I don't have to do all the repairs I want to do. I don't have to fight with people. I don't have, I don't want 50 people in my house. And I trust Jack and know he'll get the job done. Unless, unless you're posting that on Facebook. Hey guys, I'm looking for, I live in Manheim Township in Lancaster, PA. Hey guys, I'm looking for some investment properties in Manheim Township. If your house needs some work, but you've thought about selling, but it's not ready to be shown, let, I'd love to take a look. Those kinds of things, you have no idea who will contact you. I built my entire business on organic social media, just sharing what I was doing. And I learned this. So my first client, now remember, John's lost his job in February, becomes a realtor in August has a son born September 2nd. Like it's a lot going on at the same time. But what I learned was I would put things on Facebook stories, Instagram stories. And I started to have people that were like, 
whoa, John, that fall, spring of 2020, they would be like, wow, John, you're really crushing it in the real estate business. And I'm like, like, I'm thinking I am not, I'm broke. I'm about to lose my house. But what they're seeing, the perception is John's crushing it. He's at open houses. He's showing clients houses. Now, my first client saw 63 freaking houses. But instead of complaining about it and moaning about it, I use it as an opportunity to promote my business on social media. If you look me up, John Shookman on Facebook, I post about real estate multiple times a week. I will still get messages every week that say, I didn't know you were in real estate. And I'm like, were you hiding under a rock for three years? But people, the algorithm shows them things at different times. I just, this week, actually last Friday, was at a Phillies playoff game. A buddy I went to college with 10 years ago, I have not seen him, have not heard from him, said, hey, we're, we're interested in buying a house. Can you help me? Yeah, absolutely. We're meeting this coming week. That same week, earlier last week, a buddy same from college. Now, this is 10 years ago. This is not yesterday, guys. A buddy from college. Hey, man, we're looking for investment properties in the Lancaster, Harrisburg area where we could buy properties for about 50 to 60,000. Can you help us? All he does is sees my stuff on social media, sees me shifting into investing and knows that I'm like the expert in my area and can help him. Social media, guys, it's free. Talk about your business on social media. Talk about what you're doing. People love stories. So they love our debt-free journey. They love seeing pictures of my kids. I share things of my family and also business. I don't make it. I have a rule that it's not more than one real estate post per day. Now, I don't even do seven a week, but if I did, it's one a day. And I promote the podcast probably once or twice a week. But the rest of it is just relationships, right? And the way not, I feel like I geek out the way the algorithm works is the more I like, so Jack, the more I interact with your stuff, Facebook says, oh, John wants to see more of Jack. And then Facebook thinks, oh, John wants to see more of Jack. Jack probably wants to see more of John. So let's show him John. And if he likes it, we'll show him more. And so one of the things people can do for free is just happy birthday post on social media. Hey, cute picture of your kids. I scroll Facebook. Now it can be addicting, right? I, but I'll scroll for 20, 30 minutes a day and just see what people are doing. I have thank you cards over there and happy birthday and sympathy cards. So someone, sadly, a client's a relative committed suicide recently. It's not, I'm not trying to get business from that. That's not the point, but it's all about relationships. So I just sent a sympathy card. I'm really sorry to hear about your family member. That's what it's all about, man. It's all about relationships, right? Will it be business? I'm not sending someone a card when they're some family member committed suicide. So they buy a house. But it's all about relationships. And I send gifts to clients. And actually, one of them, it just popped up on my time hop a year ago yesterday. I sent them like a $200 gift when they bought a house. And they said, thank you so much for the gift. The coolest part was the personalized card. And I'm like, I sent a $200 gift and a 50 cent card. But I think that just shows you. what. So for those listening out there, when was the last time you got a letter handwritten from somebody that wasn't spam? Right. I couldn't mm -hmm. tell you. So imagine that for your clients. Imagine, especially those of you working with investors or investing, think about the business partners you work with. Even send them a happy birthday card. Maybe you have someone that bought five, 10 investment properties a year from you, but now because of the market, they don't talk to you. Just, hey, I've missed talking to you. Hope you're well. Here's just saying hi. You feel free to call me. Just want to check in. Right. Not feel free to call me for business. Just check in with people. I'm in a mastermind with a guy, Vincent Puglisi. And I think one of the coolest things he does when he's on the road, he will pick up the phone and call people. 
I pay $500 a month for his mastermind. So he doesn't have to call me. I get a weekly 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. call on Tuesdays. But when he picks up the phone, I'm like, oh, my goodness. It's all about relationships for you. I can't buy anything more. I'm already at the highest level. But it's all about relationships. Hey, John, how's the membership going? How's the podcast? Just checking in. Like, when was the last time you sent a personalized call or made a personalized phone call just to say, hey? Yeah. No, I, we have one of our, the better real, realtors in my market does exactly that too. Just out of the blue, he'll just give you a call just to see how things are going. Yeah. And I think it's very unexpected. You could say, and you don't, have to, maybe it's someone that's chatty. You don't have to spend an hour on the phone. Hey, I had 15 minutes before I jumped on a meeting. Just wanted to say, hi, how are you? How are the kids? And then you're like, all right, it's been 10 minutes later. It's been good chat and got to get on the Zoom, but I'm really glad you're doing well. That's it. Yeah, and it's interesting you bring up the sending a card. We used to do that actually with every single property we went and looked at, for, especially for whether it was on the MLS or directly from the seller. Whether we're buying the house or not, or whether they decided to go with us or not, we would always just send a quick handwritten card that said, thank you for meeting with us. Yeah. It was great to meet you. I think it goes a long way. It actually, and it's when, especially when it's genuine like that. Yeah. And I think too, I know this is more geared for investors, but even in residential, sometimes I've had friends that have used another realtor, dude, that sucks. And it's so, it's annoying and frustrating. You know what I've tried to do? I've tried to be, suck it up, get over my pride and then send them a congratulations card on buying their house. Cause guess what? They're going to sell. It says the, the average is seven years, but even now it's probably less than that. They're going to sell one day and they'll remember how you treated them after they bought a house. If I don't talk to them, they're definitely not going to list with me. No, this has been a great conversation, John. I just want to remind everybody we're talking to John Shookman and head over to therealestatesurvivalguide.com for more information on how you can maybe work with John or how he can help you out. Check out his mastermind, his podcast. Yeah. But uh, John, I warned you, we were going to chew up the time pretty quickly. But before I let you go, I was hoping I could hit you with some rapid fire questions. Let's do it. Okay. Here's your chance to bust a real estate investing myth. What real, What one would you like to bust here today? Oh, man, I love this because I, I thought about. So I think so many people are like, if it doesn't cash flow, I'm not interested. But there might. But I know people that have thought about this, like, even for how the property appreciates, it might be worth buying. Even maybe it might be a negative cash flow of a few bucks a month. It might still be worth it, knowing that in four years that property is going to be worth six, like a hundred thousand more. So that'd be one. Yeah. What book would you recommend? And you're not allowed to say Rich Dad Poor Dad or think. No. Rich. For, I would say Dave Ramsey's books. Again, I'm leaning a different way on the real estate side, but what he talks about consumer debt. And just his story, I think, is incredible. So I love that. I'll, really quick, my, my buddy Vincent has a book, The Wealth Connection. The book is all about building relationships with people and caring about them, like I said, he does when he calls. So I think The Wealth of Connection is the, my, my favorite book I've read in 2022. Okay, cool. What is the biggest real estate investing or business mistake you've made and what lesson did you learn from it? I think the biggest real estate investing or just business mistake I've made was just not believing in myself, not putting myself out there, right? The social media piece, we talked before we recorded about putting yourself on video, those kinds of things. Whoever is listening to this, you have something incredible and special to share with people. 
So my biggest thing was doubting myself. And then as I think about investing, I probably wish I would have gotten into it sooner for sure. So that's a mistake I wish I would have not done. It's time for a little fun. What's your favorite movie? Oh my goodness. I love the movie Runaway Jury. Runaway Jury. I don't know if I know that one. Gene Cusack, it's pretty good. Okay. Might have to check that out. If you could go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that be? Leave your W-2 job at 16 years old and go build something in the entrepreneurial space. Any of those years would have been, you are not meant for this. And this is losing jobs and not being happy and taking other jobs as a sign to do something different. John, is there a question or concept you wish we would have covered here today? No, this is great, man. I just love talking investing, talking real estate, talking relationships and how we can improve in them. So I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. And I will say this is not a pitch because I really have nothing to sell most people. But if you ever need social media help and thinking about like, how can I grow what I'm doing in social media? Let's jump on a 15, 30 minute Zoom. Like, again, I got nothing to sell you. I just, I know how people get stressed about social media. And so I would love to talk to people and help them with social media. I'm very passionate about using it to grow your business. Again, realtors out there or investors, the membership is an option, but really I just, I want to help people so they can connect with me anytime. I'd love to volunteer my time and jump on a Zoom or whatever and help people with social media or reviews or whatever they have questions about. Sure. No, I appreciate it. One last time, therealestatesurvivalguide.com. I hope we'll come back again sometime. This was great. Yep, Jack. And again, thank you for having me on and thanks for all you're doing to help those investors out there. I appreciate your time. Have you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.